0: Transition Partners take mental health very seriously. We are now supporting Claro Mental Health Charity who are local and based in Harrogate. We are working closely with Richard Kenny who is the IT Director at Tech Buyer. Claro operates as a commercial workshop making goods for businesses which enable those with long-term mental health conditions to function in a voluntary real work environment. We would love it if you can join us in supporting this amazing cause and charity and donate what you can any any amount will be greatly appreciated thank you very much and thanks to all our listeners
1: This is the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greening. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars and their learnings from their
0: journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences and have a good laugh along the way. (music)
1: The I- And welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So after a couple of weeks worth of holiday from myself and Sandra, we're back recording a session today with the fantastic Jen Mossop-Scott, who's the Director of Business Systems at TalkTalk. We're extremely excited to have Jen on the podcast today, as we've heard so many amazing things about her from our good friend Mick Holden and Ian Holloway. Jen's got an impressive background right the way through from studying neuroscience at Oxford to joining the tech community at Accenture, working with top brands like Morrisons and N Brown
0: Group. Hello, Jen. Hi, Hi, Jen. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hi, Jen. (laughs) Fantastic to finally have you on the show. Um, I think we, I think it was like, was it October when when we met you? And I think when I first kind of, around that time when I approached you, I know you've had um, a very busy year, um, and obviously we've had a number of other things to contend with during that time. So it's great to have you on the show. Um, I'm so particularly now that I've had um, a real good look at your background, um, so interested in finding out more um, more about you. Um, I was so interested when um, I saw that you'd studied at Oxford University, Neuroscience, so intrigued to hear more um, about that as well. So um, I'd like to just start off with um, hearing more about you. Um, if you could tell us a bit more about your journey, your background, how you got to where you are today, that would be fantastic.
2: Of course. Hi, Sandra. Um Right. Okay. Where to start? Well, uh, <laughs> first off, I guess, to just let the listening community know that, uh, you know, I have basically not prepared pre-canned answers <laughs> to any of these questions. So I, <laughs> what you're getting today is very much off the top of my fresh head. So it will be, I guarantee, uh, sort of authentic and in, in the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> so my, own, um, my own sort of personal uh, and career history uh, has has I guess just brought me great great pleasure and joy over the over the years and years that I've been both I suppose a scientist in the olden days and a and a professional uh, sort of I guess IT and and change and transforming type director more recently um, I grew up you can probably tell from my accent that mm-hmm. I am not native to Manchester which is where mm-hmm. I call home now um, I'm Canadian and spent my formative years in, in really glorious Western Canada. I grew up in Edmonton, family in Calgary a little bit. um, And I had a pretty, pretty cool childhood, very normal, very balanced where, uh, you know, sort of daughter of an uh, sort of musician and, and a scientist slash musician. Um, I kind of grew up with with a really wide range of interests. Right. So, so I was quite a, I guess, diligent, you know, competitive, maybe cheerful, uh, sort of optimistic kid, I I strived at school, always interested in learning. And I think probably that following your curiosity has, has maybe been a theme that leads to a bit of a meandering path through life, but boy, have I learned a lot along the way. So, (laughs) um, so my first sort of academic foray was, was in a, um, beyond high school was an amazing year-long program where I opted to study intensively the, the history of Western civilization through the great books of our time. So um, not, again, what you'd expect for someone necessarily with a kind of career now in IT, but uh, sort of reflective of, of really wanting to know a lot about about the world. And uh, from there, I kind of discovered um, neuroscience as a particularly um, interesting course of study again not related to the mm-hmm. history of Western philosophy but kind of a new ish um, field that was expanding rapidly this is in the kind of early 90s from its real foundational um, creation in the, the creation dis- distinction as a science um, more in the in the 70s so neuroscience is is all over the place in in the press and in the popular um, mm-hmm. popular media these days but um, you know wind back twenty five years, etc it was a it, it, and it still is it was a pretty exciting place to be and mm-hmm. um, and like often happens I think with um, with life and with uh, relationships and inspiration, you find someone in a little niche that believes in you and and kind of inspires you and pulls you along. Um, mm-hmm. I had a professor like that uh, in my undergraduate when um, who just said you know you're really good at this, and I believe in you. And here's some opportunities, and and one thing led to another, and I found myself in Oxford studying for a PhD, where exactly. you know more of the same kind of happened, and and um, I guess the the independent thought and the discipline that you have to put into uh, sort of postgraduate research and and the creation of something that is entirely new and entirely your own, um, is a pretty daunting task. Um, but the the sort of almost transferable skills that you get from doing that deep academic research um, really speaks to, to kind of discipline and independent thought and kind of analytical acumen. But you'd also be surprised that you think of a sort of neuroscientist in a lab or a biochemist in a lab or something um, being a bit kind of nerdy and antisocial um it's it's not it's it's actually mm-hmm. just as important to form relationships with uh, sort of other scientists and collaborators and to be able to um develop the skills of storytelling and communicating mm-hmm. um whether that's whether that's you know the results of, of some discoveries that you've made um or just being able to kind of influence and teach those those around you so um, I, I am no longer a neuroscientist, and and really sort of stopped that after my after my uh, PhD was finished. But um, many of those uh, experiences and skills, and of course the joy of 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 studying alongside some immensely amazing and clever people, and um, in a beautiful city, uh, you know, s- still still look back with very rosy. Uh, was that the reason you moved to the UK then to yeah well funnily enough I was born in London um and lived there for the first time of my life but um but so I've I've actually had two passports for for a while um but yeah that was the reason I moved to the UK was because I had had funding at a glorious university to fantastic study and then of course um you know, life takes its, its meandering turns. I fell in love. I met my amazing husband, (laughs) didn't intend actually to stay in the UK. But of course, when, when life happens, you, you go with it. And, uh, and so my husband had a similar academic position uh, in Manchester. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll go with, We, we got married and, and came North to, um, to Manchester and I, I think having reflected on, on the reality of an academic career um, in the north of England versus some of the stuff that I really loved about my time studying, which was interacting with people, solving complicated problems, you can find that in a lot of walks of life. So, um, So I took a job at Accenture on their graduate mm-hmm. program based out of the Manchester office. And again, just by... I think happy coincidence following my nose and being, you know, curious and full of enthusiasm for whatever I can learn <laughs> next. Um, hmm. I found myself in Accenture's, I think really talented and quite um, sort of formative and sort of almost incubator for, for their retail practice, which was based out of, out of the Manchester office. And simply because I was here and you know, my husband was here. I'm like, well, I will do that for a bit. And hmm. um, So I spent nine years and a couple of maternity leaves included, um, in consulting Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that's intense and Mm -hmm. an amazing learning ground, but, um, but yeah, I got to work. And, and of course, when you're in those sort of, you know, up and coming consulting roles, you get thrown into the deep end and, um, and you have to learn fast and you have to be credible and you have to be a great communicator and you have to sort of, Build and work with with great teams, and you have to really understand multiple aspects of, of various different businesses. So it's it's a it's a terrific place to to learn and grow as a professional. And um, yeah, I had nine very enjoyable years at Accenture. You know, lots of in, intense craziness and, and lots of things that didn't go well, as well. Of course, <laughs> but with some tremendous colleagues and people who really are the kind of you know, powerhouses of of the retail sector in this country to this, to this day. So, um, yeah, I, I love my time there. But of course, uh,
0: it's kind of hard when you're a, a mom, right? Um, yeah. right? Let alone working in a consultancy and being a mom as well. I'm, I was just sat there thinking nine years, two maternity leaves, consultancy. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's I think, I think it, that's one, I guess, maybe one of my most, um,
2: kind of core things that I, I I just have have to do and be myself is 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 a mom and with mm-hmm. with my kids and not really that willing to to remain on the road or away from home yeah. or actually doing uninteresting work um mm-hmm. in order to be close to home. So um, I think I was it was two thousand and eight. Uh, when I was just about to return for my second maternity leave, that uh, there was a, you know, Lehman Brothers type financial crash and oh, a voluntary yeah. redundancy round. So I, I put my hand up and, um, and that was, I think, one of, you know, a real um, kind of almost serendipitous moment because it allowed me to, to reflect on the fact that I, I do not outsource my kids. Um, <laughs> I, I want in order for me to be a sort of fulfilled human, I need to have a really interesting professional life, but I need to see my kids. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that make sense? I'm sure that's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: tons of your listeners, but um, I, I went to work at Morrison's um, you know, in Bradford, again, really interesting business. And at the time going through a, um, you know, quite a big, you know, root and branch overhaul of business model processes, technology. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did three or four, probably three core roles there and, and learned at Morrison's, um, you know, well obviously a ton of content and and many role models of great leadership, honestly, great. Um, But also learned how, how important it is to believe in the purpose of an organization because unlike consultancy, when you're in house, you are serving just that one strategic goal—that um, is, you know, the sort of Morrison's aims, or laterally the Brown aims, or the TalkTalk aims—and that fits with me, right? I'm kind of kind of a, a all about um, a purpose, and I think you can really drive what what a business is about from within. Um, as much as you like to think as a consultant that you are absolutely doing the very best things for the client at all times, you are still in this sort of bimodal dichotomy of of having two masters as it were and um, mm-hmm. it really suits me to be driving things from within within a business so i I was at Morrison's for about four and a half years again, lots of triumphs, lots of challenges. maybe we can go into some of those in the in due course, but um that's a long commute from South Manchester to Bradford every, yeah, I was
1: thinking, every yeah. day.
2: <laughs> yeah. So when, when an opportunity came up at N Brown on a similar kind of transformational program incubation, um, it felt like it was time. So um, I, I was quite grateful to say farewell to <laughs> the M62 overpassing <laughs> the, towards Bradford. Um, and actually really keen, Again, following that kind of curiosity and learning thing to um, to get to grips with with more of the sort of digital customer experience. So, um, and Brown for those uh, those of your listeners who aren't aware of that that group is the sort of group entity behind many fashion brands, um, typically sort of fit specialists like Simply Be, Giacomo, JD Williams. Um, another amazing business, which uh, in terms of digital transformation has an incredible story to tell um, from its catalog based heritage in the, um, oh, I think it, like from the late 1800s, you know, so this is a very venerable and and established distance selling organization, but um, basically recognizing, of course, that that a catalog channel is, is a melting iceberg, so to speak. And, and over the few years that I was there, the, the facing into a, a sort of truly digital customer experience was well underway and, and fascinating again, to learn, learn new skills. And a year and a half ago, um, I felt like I was perhaps done with, with learning grocery and retail. You yeah. see having worked at Tesco and WH Smith and Shell retail and various other things in my consulting career and Brown, um, I'm learning something new, which is awesome. So I've, I now work at a telco. I'm the technology director for delivery at TalkTalk. Talk, and um, that's an amazing sort of now northern-based based business, uh, a real um, sort of entrepreneurial and, and exciting place to work. And I love it, again, with that kind of in-house um, mantra because it is crystal clear
1: crystal
2: clear about its strategy and its values um, you know fantastic and diverse leadership team um, you know sort of uh, re- a really wonderful place to work with with great culture and I'm just so proud to be there uh, so that that kind of brings me up to up to date and now I have these kids who are like <laughs> nearly teenage or already teenage and, and you know I'm going gray and it's all, <laughs> all happening but I still have that kind of curiosity to keep learning and and yeah
0: fantastic what um what an impressive background and career um, journey that you've been on obviously you've worked for some pretty well well well-known branded organizations been involved in some instrumental transformation change programs um which is amazing it'll be good to to know a little bit more further down the line around your some of the challenges and experiences that you um that you had along the way. Because I'm sure um, as we said earlier that it probably wasn't all rosy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before, um, before we go into that, it'd be great to talk um a little bit about and, and tell our listeners more about your um you as a leader. Um, you've obviously you started your career in consultancy, you've worked your way up through um the ranks, um should imagine you've managed some fairly hefty, sizable teams um along the way. Um, so it'd be great if you could tell us more about your leadership style, um, and what do you think makes you a good leader that others could learn from? Right. Um, so my leadership
2: style is probably this is probably my personal style. I'm not sure there's too much difference between how a how a person just genuinely is and and how they lead organisations um it's sort of an, one extends into the other um i think if you asked people around to uh, you know describe how i lead it's it is about sort of uh you know positive drive um very mm-hmm. people oriented um and in in engineering worlds sometimes that that's not the first thing that people think of but it is certainly the first thing that i think of so quite people oriented very much a um Sort of supportive, empathetic, listening, encouraging, um, supporter of, of my teams and particularly my peers and those around me. But um, you know that's that's not to say I am soft necessarily. Um, <laughs> but I do think a a blended uh, blended set of skills around a table is really essential for a leadership team to function effectively. And often I find myself. Um, you know, playing a role of of incisive questioner. Can we can we check this? Um, can we simplify that? Can we make sure we are listening to our customers? Make sure we're listening to our uh, sort of colleagues and stakeholders. So perhaps I'm not a a driver's driver per se, but I am I am definitely a uh, people oriented and attuned um, and logical uh, sort of leader from the front. So. I think that's probably how I would describe myself,
0: yeah, fantastic. It's all about the people, isn't it? If we don't look after our people and put the people first, then you know what 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 do we have left
2: yeah i mean uh, our work and certainly my work leading a sort of big systems engineering function now and in previous roles um it you know there's so much invaluable expertise that comes from from mm. being technicians and really valuing the the thought processes and individualities of people's um sort of coding and testing and data and analytics talents, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But in, in the end, the success of a of a business and of a of a collective um team is about how people work together and and understanding almost the emotion um behind the motivation that that gets people out of bed and and really wanting yeah. to do a
1: great job. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think you mentioned something earlier that I'd love to kind of dig a little deeper into is around how at talk talk diversity piece and the culture you think it's got that, that they've got that really right. And um, so I'd love to know more from your perspective, why you think that is and what you can do as a business and as a leader to help improve that, because that's something we get a lot of listeners email about because we're really passionate about diversity and inclusion at transition partners and um, a lot of people want to know at the top level what they can do to help on that piece and i think particularly saying as you've done hit, hitting the market talk talk as as a company what they're doing right and what others can take away from that your top tip for that would be
2: fantastic so, so one of the reasons i was so attracted to work at talktalk talk probably boiled down to down to two two things um, for, first was the pace at which evidently talktalk talk can make decisions and that's not a diversity point that that's just a, um, you know, crisp and entrepreneurial business point. But the second thing that, that really has me, this is something I go back to time and time again, wherever, wherever I am um, is, and, and this isn't cheesy. The the values of a company genuinely matter. Right. So when, um, when I talk to talk, talk um, the, the values there about uh, sort of, you know, customer centricity and entrepreneurialism, et cetera, sort of what you might expect from um from many businesses in in this sector and and are core to success. However, there's there is there's a value in that is taken really seriously in sort of Talk Talks Pantheon called you Can Be Yourself Here. Yeah. And I love that uh, because it is so um so welcoming and inclusive mm-hmm. and people genuinely live by it yeah so the uh, that value of you can be yourself here underpins um you know a real culture of respect a culture of um empowerment and and searching for those opportunities to be ever more inclusive right um and it also underpins what is a very flexible working culture so you know talk talk didn't have any difficulty flipping when we were all in lockdown because we are equipped to do that and people are are trusted to be wherever they need to be for their own circumstance and work however they need to work um i think the the results of that are a a very um a, a very cohesive senior leadership team which is which is part of what i am and, and gender wise we are i think magnificent a female chief executive officer female Um, CFO, uh, the sort of managing director of our consumer business, P&L holder, um, is a, is also a very inspiring woman. Um, we have lots of diversity also at the next level down, which is, which is where I operate. I took a screen grab actually of a, of a recent senior leadership team meeting, you know, sort of one of those Microsoft teams, sort of zoom, um, screenshots of, of the SLT. And it was just so satisfying to see, so many sort of women and um and also sort of an ethnic diversity around that that leadership table and it does you know it's not it's not explicit but it does I think provide um a a really respectful and Mm -hmm. um you know just a healthy environment and it all roots back to those core values
1: and and I love that and couldn't
2: overemphasize how important I think that is (laughs)
1: yeah no I think that's great isn't it and I think like you say having those good core cool values but the thing is I think a lot of businesses they have the values people learn them when they come to an interview and then they get the job and it all goes out the window but being able to embed that into everyday culture is so important and it sounds like you're doing that really well at talk talk um so that's really yeah, no, I no, I agree and
2: i as you know I've worked in a lot of businesses many of which are very value-driven I mean Morrison's um the same just terrific um but you know, I believe in these and, um, and that's hand on, hand on heart. And, and, and it's, it's true. If you, you know, don't just ask me, ask, ask others if you come across them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. So I'd love to know, I guess this is personal and professional a bit more about you and what, what makes you tick and what you're passionate about. Um, so I noticed that you're a trustee at greater sport. So I'd love to know a little bit more about that as well, but other things that you're passionate about within the industry and personally as well.
2: So so I think I think we've probably covered passionate about people, right? In terms <laughs> yeah. of this question. Um and and you know, passionate about people in a wider sense might take me on to kind of greater sport. So Greater Sport is um it's just an amazing um uh sort of charity slash extra non-governmental organization. It's basically an amazing charity that um serves the people of Greater Manchester, so the 10 boroughs, um, and is has a, a brilliant mission to help all Greater Manchester Unions from whatever walks of life become more active. Yeah? And so being more active sort of physically helps, and, and this is not sportiness necessarily, but it is just mm-hmm. becoming more active in order to help improve both physical and importantly, mental well-being. So, as, as an organization, Greater Sport is aiming for two million people moving, um, whether that's walking to work or you know, sort of taking their wheelchair up and down their terrace <laughs> or whatever, um, for thirty minutes a day, um, three times a week. And I've been a trustee there with really a, a, an incredible organization and an incredible set of peers on on that on that board um, for since mid twenty eighteen. And, and the reason I do that, um, that work uh, and feel so passionately about it is because, because I, I care about this city and I care about uh, sort of people's well-being. The, the people that are, are hardest to reach in terms of of getting moving um, are the people that are, are likely in the sort of most deprived demographics and with the sort of least uh, sort of accessibility opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And Greater Sport's mission is really to... Um, Sort of help reach and fund uh, those areas that need it most. You know, it's not about getting more triathletes doing more triathlons in in Altrincham, right? It's (laughs) um, it's about just reaching the pockets that will benefit the most from a bit of bit of moving around. And I can tell. I mean, we all know from the lockdown experience that when you're restricted in terms of what you can do, Mm -hmm. it have a real correlation and very individual with um, with mental well being and getting out for a walk of an evening in in sort of mid-April at the height of lockdown I'm sure was many people's um mm. sort of route through. Such a luxury wasn't it?
0: Yeah. I know. yeah that lunchtime walk for me to take my son out every day was just like yeah it was the thing that yeah. kept kept you going apart from, from the ample lots of lots of wine. <laughs> yeah. Um fantastic so uh, such that's I, I just love your passion and um love what you're doing with greater sport um it's um music to my ears is that i'm yeah a big big um, firm believer and i'm very passionate about giving back to the community um what what would be really really useful i think for our listeners because we have um we have a lot of listeners that are looking to kind of that listen to these podcasts um with a view to help them um develop their career and and you know get to the point where where they're kind of either head of level director or C level um within a business and um you know it'd be great to hear from you what you think your kind of I guess top tips would be for the listeners, maybe one or two like top tips that you think um you know can help them aspire and develop to get to that level. What should they be doing? What sort of things should they be um you know trying to do and what could help them
2: so i think i think almost back to that um sort of i think i mentioned earlier that you just have to recognize individuality right so everybody is absolutely different and it is um completely evident to me that leaders come in all shapes and sizes and styles right so i think one one thing that that I've certainly learned is comfort in my own skin. Right. And, and to recognize that, you know, it's almost counterproductive to bend yourself out of shape, to try to become something that is what you perceive to be um, kind of characteristics to, to get on. And, and actually that you're going to be much more successful if you are authentically your best self that makes sense. So, I mean, it's probably a cliche these days, authentic leadership, but um, certainly when, you know, I do a lot of mentoring and, um, and, you know, a continued theme that comes up time and time again, and it's true for me as, as well as anyone else is confidence. And you're much more likely, I think, to convey the best of yourself and do the best job if you are um, relaxed about it. And you can be relaxed about it by by being true to yourself and and just understanding your strengths and being honest about uh, about those areas that you need more support in. Um, so top tip I think is be yourself because actually whoever you are, you're probably pretty awesome. And if you can find ways of making <laughs> that shine, then people will recognize that, you know, there's a, an awful lot of nonverbal signaling that comes from, feeling comfortable in your own skin and, and feeling comfortable expressing your opinions.
0: Fantastic. And you, you said that you, um, um, so did you say that you've, that you've, that you provide mentoring as well, that you mentor? Yeah, I love it. I love is it. that internal or external or? Um, both? It's a bit of all those things. So I think, I think, um,
2: you know, I probably started mentoring people. Oh, back in Morrison's days. Um, yeah, definitely. Back in Morrison's days. And I think um mainly internal at that point. But I think since I've become uh, I suppose, you know, just more heavily networked, as it were. People ring me up and ask,
0: right? So people approach you and you just yeah. yeah. Um
2: and you know, I, I've also done some kind of pro programmatic mentoring through, for example, the 30% club um this year, which is a sort of uh nationwide organization for for women. Um, so I tend to at any one time have a sort of a blend of internal and external mentees. And again, I am always learning from them. So, so one of the things I tell, um, often the people that I, I work with in a mentoring capacity is that you guys should do this because you learn so much about yourself Mm. by helping others. Um, that it, and, and that kind of reverse mentoring, Uh, concept where you learn as much about uh, the perspective of others, whether they're more junior or they're in in different spaces in their lives or in different sectors and industries, all of that um, is very much part of a two-way process of, of mentoring that um, you know, I get great, great joy and, and learning from and Oh yeah. And, and great pride actually, because when people I've, you know, had a, had a sort of deep connection with through mentoring relationship you Know, find their next thing or ring me up because they're super proud. Because, <laughs> um, ring me up because they <laughs> this happened like a couple of days ago, ring me up because they're in the middle of a total crisis and they need a bit of help. Um, that's that's just really, yeah, that's really happy.
0: Fantastic. I, I, love brilliant. So, um, you're a trustee, and um, you're director of business systems at Talk Talk. Um, you are a mentor of not sure how many people, it sounds like you've got an awful lot on Plus, you've got kids, two kids. <laughs> how do you manage to stay sane? How do you manage all the stress and, and, and yeah. All the kind of... Um, well,
2: I mean, various techniques that I've learned over, over the years. Um, again, probably back to that same answer of knowing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So some, some things um, sanity-wise, I'm just really, really fortunate to have in my life, right? So um, so I have an, you know, just a sort of rock solid and very brilliant and loving and helpful uh, husband, and my kids mm-hmm. are reasonably self-disciplined and independent, <laughs> and, and, you know, like, just a, a proper joy. And I, I, I find certainly found over the last few years, they're both girls, they're twelve and fifteen, um, that they're starting to appreciate what what I do professionally and the fact that I'm a likely to be a happier and better balanced mom as a result of having a, a fulfilling outside kind of yeah. career in life. So all of those support mechanisms I think are quite Fundamental, and I think if I didn't have those in place, I would probably feel much more anxious, and I would probably be drowning as well. But I think the other, um, you know, I'm by nature quite a positive and energetic person, which also probably helps. But I've also learned, um, and this is much more recent, to just forgive myself if I feel stressed. Right. So you know, when you're, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but but oftentimes I will wake up and it'll be three in the morning, and I will be like, oh can't believe I'm awake I'm clearly thinking you're dreaming about something and and I've just learned to just go well Jen your subconscious clearly needs to work something through you know look on the light do a crossword puzzle read a novel something like that and let it work itself out <laughs> and yeah. then go back to sleep because you, you go st- back to sleep <laughs> yeah, but if you sit there and and Stress about being stressed, then, geez, that's worse, right?
0: So, yeah, yeah indeed.
2: And I think that forgiveness—well, forgiveness—that that acknowledgement that you know my brain just has to work stuff through. Yeah. Also, um, the, you know, the other thing I would say is—is is I've just come to the realization that I am never going to get everything right. So the old kind of 90 percent rule, as it were, of of you know let some stuff go it's okay um is is also right last thought friends like talk partners people that you can just just have a chat with oh, they're great yeah highly recommend
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> as a, as a,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so good it's so important to have people to talk things through with um and to be able to talk isn't it it's particularly obviously it's national suicide awareness day today, isn't it actually the we're recording mm-hmm. this um, yep. 10th of September is the day we're recording today and it's just so important that we talk about things and that you can share and speak to your community and your network and your little tribe of people but I think mean, there's definitely some really great things that you mentioned there about being able to forgive yourself that's really like you got, like you say you can't get everything right. And as leaders, and we're responsible for our teams, we take everything on our shoulders. Well, I think people do anyway, right? In in life, we take everything so personally, we carry everything, we carry the weight of it all on our shoulders. And it's so important. You're not going to get it all right. Not everyone's going to get it right. So being able to allow yourself that space is really important. And so that's really great and a great tip. So love that. I actually, Sandra runs a session called Taking Time in Tech, which is um, about mental health um mindfulness um in in the tech community it's really great and one of the tips that they mentioned was like will you be worrying about it in 30 days and i've started doing that about everything now and that's really helped me so in 30 days time am i going to be caring about this and no like most of the time you know you get that feeling don't you that anxious feeling and like pretty much everything i've done it since that workshop sandra i've done it so many times on various things and like everything i'm like now that's going to be forgotten about by then so it's a really useful tool Great Yeah. Amazing amazing to hear your story and your journey, but I'd love to finish the podcast today. We're finding out a little bit more about what you're excited about. So what's on the agenda for Jen? What have you got going on um, that you're super excited about? It's been a funny year for a lot of us, 2020. We haven't been able to do half the plans we were meant to, but um, what's on the cards for the next couple of months, the next year or so that's getting you really excited at the moment?
2: God, well, we, you know, I I like I said before, just you know, love my job at TalkTalk Talk and the the sort of opportunity that we have in the in the telecom space with um, with our to, to sort of truly execute on our uh, fiber to the premise strategy is super complicated and crazy hard and and sort of insane when you're in in the trenches on it, but um, succeeding at that and and sort of helping reform how we do things um, at TalkTalk, Talk, which is a perpetual um, and sort of iterative cycle is, is high on my agenda at the moment. And, you know, plenty of opportunity, plenty of challenge. So professionally speaking, very committed and, um, and, and excited about both the sort of market and technology opportunities that are, are ahead of us in the sort of TalkTalk Talk roadmap. Um, kind of, more personally, if I look ahead for the next number of months, it's an odd time still. I guess with, um, you know, like like the thing I would be so most excited about if it was going to happen would be going to see my family on the West Coast, oh, uh, <laughs> right? But um, but that would that that may be a ways a ways off. So I think um, you know just maintaining a, a, a healthy and as you said, sane. Um, kind of balance through the next number of months here um, really continuing to support and love my kids and family and um, contribute to the to the community in a wider sense and of course get get great job satisfaction and continue to to support some amazing
1: teams um, at Talk Talk all of those things are
2: yeah a full plate
1: and and (laughs) Awesome. It sounds like you've got some uh, good challenges ahead, but you sound like you're exactly where you need to be. Like you obviously clearly you love your job, you love the culture, you love the organisation. And yeah, it's going to be challenging road ahead you've got some big things on the agenda but you sound like you're exactly where you need to be so that's so awesome um it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast jen um if anyone's got any questions or they want to reach out to to speak to you personally is it best to get in touch via linkedin twitter what's the best form of contact for you yeah so probably
2: linkedin is the easiest it's where i'm i um i am probably most social networky active if that makes (laughs) sense Um, you know, I have an account on Twitter and occasionally
1: look at it, but no, get, get me on LinkedIn and super happy um, to talk to anyone who wants to reach out. Yeah. Amazing. And if anyone's interested in getting involved in the charity as well, is that something that in, if they're Manchester based, is that something they can reach out to you about as well? Because it sounds oh, like something I'd like out. to learn more about. Reach out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. 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 Brilliant. Thanks for coming on the show, Jen. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Sandra, so much.
0: It was really fun talking to you guys, and uh, yeah, (laughs) you too. It was so interesting, and you just yeah, I'm, I'm in awe. You're so passionate and enthusiastic and positive. Um, it's been great.
2: Oh well, a real pleasure, and uh, and thanks ever so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks.